You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Parents, you guys can turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to unpack this passage more in depth on a Sunday morning. But in preparing for tonight, I felt it appropriate to to turn our attention to um, the, the next phase of where we're at in Exodus, that being Exodus chapter 34, particularly in the ways that the Lord reveals himself, and then how that translates into the Christmas story. So I want to read both from Exodus 34 tonight and from Luke chapter 2, maybe particularly from a section that we don't always read from uh, when, we, when we read the Christmas story. So maybe many of you will read it tonight or tomorrow morning with your kids and families. Um, but I want to read to you a section that's so relevant to what we've been talking about in the book of Exodus. We'll start by reading from Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Remember, Moses came down, he threw down the Ten Commandments and broke those. So now they're being recreated, remade. It says, Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain." Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance." And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Behold, before all your people I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Our quick summary sentence for tonight, the thrill of hope found in God's revelation of who he is and what he is doing should lead to ongoing worship as we anticipate the fulfillment of the awesome things he has determined to do for us as his people. For our kids, God tells us he has awesome plans in store for us, giving us reason to worship him. Remember, God has communicated to Moses that he'll answer his request. And that request was, show me your glory. Show me who you are. I want to see you. And so he's communicating truth about his character. That's how he reveals himself. It's not so much a picture that that, uh, God wants Moses to remember. He wants him to remember truth particularly about his character, particularly about his goodness. And he reveals this uh, more in depth with the Lord passed before him and proclaimed these specific things about his character, his mercy, his grace, his slowness to anger, his steadfast love and faithfulness, his forgiveness, and yet also his justice, the fact that he has to punish sin, the fact that he will deal with, with sin. I looked up the the meaning for a thrill of hope. It's always been a favorite line of mine when it comes to singing Christmas songs. Uh, On the internet, in in the Webster's Dictionary, it says that a thrill of hope is a piercing, penetrating desire and expectation 
of an obtainable good, a piercing, penetrating desire and expectation of an obtainable good. When we sing about the thrill of hope that comes from Christmas, it's the idea that God's goodness is being given to us. It's, it's an obtainable good because God has made it available. He's made it available through his son. He's made it available through these pictures of the tabernacle and the priest and the Ark of the Covenant. All of these structures that were put in place to help mankind see what it takes to bridge the gap between holy God and sinful man. And then he gives us himself, he gives us himself in the form of Jesus to do that perfectly. In the ways that the tabernacle and the priesthood and the Ark of the Covenant failed, Right? They could not complete that bridge. They could not get us to God's presence fully. Jesus comes in and fulfills all of those things. We discover, number one, hope in the revealed character of God. We discover hope in the revealed character of God. Notice that as Moses hears these things about God, his response in verse 8 is to bow his head and to worship. There's hope. There's a thrill of hope that comes from knowing who this God is. He's a God of grace and mercy. He's a God of justice, right? And we see him doing all of those things through the birth of Jesus. A a son who would grow up, like we read in the kid's story tonight, not to be that that warring type knight who would come and, and kill the dragon with a sword. No, he came to kill the dragon in his own death, right? He came to take back the keys to death in Hades by dying in our place, It's the thrill of hope that we have as we celebrate as Christians this Christmas season. Our hope is built on who God is. These character traits that we see about him in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. He's expounding upon the goodness of his character that he's already told us about in chapter 33. And he's communicating a desire to love and to forgive by treating us in ways we don't deserve while also dealing rightfully with our sin. He's going to show us mercy and grace. He's going to be slow to anger. He's going to remain loving and faithful. He's going to forgive, but he's not going to overlook it, right? He's going to punish our sin by punishing his son. He's going to pour out his wrath on Christ. And there's hope for us in that. There's built-in hope there for us. It's a, it's a hope that Moses obviously recognized because he begins to worship in response to it. Number two, Our hope is built on what God will do. His character brings about an attitude of worship. And then this communication, this promise of what he's going to do (coughs) brings hope as well. Moses reaches out and says, "I um, I want to have your goodness applied to me, right? Like I want to, I want to know it. I want our people to know it. He understands this character, and he says, I have a desire to have that character applied to us. Like, give us that goodness. Be this way to us is what he wants. And that's what God promises. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm making a covenant before all your people. I'm going to do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or any nation. All the people among whom you shall see the work of the Lord, for it's an awesome thing that I will do with you. It's as though God communicates to Moses, I'm going to do far more than you could ask or think, right? We get that picture in Ephesians, right? We we can pray to God, and God answers in ways that just blow our minds. Does far more than we could ask or think. And that's what God's responding to Moses here. Moses is like, hey, we want that. Like, we want to be your people. Take us (coughs) for your inheritance, 
And God says, I'm going to do way more than that. I'm going to do things that you can't even imagine. Awesome things I have in store for you. There's hope that we find in the Christmas season by looking to the revealed character of God. As we worship this God during this season, specifically, there's hope that's attached to the coming of Jesus because of who God is. He's sent his son because he's a merciful and gracious God. And the implication for us is that we have a responsibility to respond in worship, in worship to the revealed character of God. It's the appropriate response to the one who, in spite of our sin, has chosen to covenant with Israel and include Gentiles in that plan as well. Think about that. Think about what, what's been accomplished here. Idolatry had been taking place. The children of Israel had given themselves to idols, had given themselves to a, a golden calf, and, and it warranted them being killed for it. God could have wiped them out and started over with a totally different people that descended from Moses. And instead, God exercises his right to mercy and grace. Yes, there will be justice, but his mercy and grace is going to reign supreme. And he communicates that forgiveness is going to take place and he's going to stay with his people, right? I'm making a covenant. I'm going to do awesome things. Our response is to worship this God. How do we worship him? We worship him by believing him, by trusting him. And by obeying him. The, the book that I, the part that I didn't read is the beginning kind of dedication to. And it says, May you walk in his way all the days of your life. That's how we worship him. We walk in his ways, we submit ourselves to him, we follow him in obedience. I mean, my appeal to you tonight would be to, to know that hope, to discover that hope, to see the character of God. Thank you. To see the character of God and to, to believe. He is who he is. To respond as Moses does in verse eight, to bow your head and to worship. There's, there's this peace that seems to come over Moses, right? This satisfaction of, hey, if that's who you are, I can rest in that. I can rest in a God who's like that. I want us to jump over to Luke chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, jump over to Luke chapter two. Verse 25. We'll actually start reading in verse 22. Our point number two tonight, and our last point, is to anticipate hope in the unfolding plans of God. To anticipate hope in the unfolding plans of God. Verse 22 says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, that section should jump out to you more than maybe it ever has before because this is what we've been studying in Exodus. They're they're doing this with Jesus because of what was installed Back in Exodus, remember, as they're coming out of Egypt, God says, hey, when you get to the promised land, you're going to dedicate your firstborn son to me, not by sacrificing his life, but by bringing sacrifices on his behalf, but you're going to dedicate him to me. And there's this picture that that they're to bring and to say, hey, we're giving him to you. We've studied that. And so we've talked about how knowing the Old Testament gives context for Jesus in the New Testament. So we're reading this. Why, why are they doing this? Because this is what they always did. 
since Exodus. They always brought the firstborn and dedicated this way. And so Mary and Joseph are doing what they've always known for their culture. They're bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, verse 25, whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. This man is waiting. He's anticipating the hope that he's, he's, he's been resting in his whole life. He, he's a priest. He gets to work in the temple. He's heard all the promises about the Messiah, but he doesn't fall into the group of Israelites who have forgotten or have turned their hearts away. He's one who is waiting for this to happen. He's longing for the Messiah to come. We see another character here who's doing a similar thing, and her name is Anna. She's a prophetess. Verse 36 And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Both of these individuals had a longing for the Messiah to come. They're waiting and they're praying. They're waiting and they're praying. And that's too what we're called to do as as believers, to hope in God with prayerful waiting. Notice that they're being faithful to the things that God has already revealed. And now he further reveals his plans and purposes for his people here. Jesus is being brought to the temple in accordance to what we've already seen in Exodus. And, and, And Simeon and Anna are a part of that process. So they're doing what they should be doing. They're being faithful to what God has called them to. Simeon is found waiting for the consolation of Israel. Think about Simeon, and every time a firstborn son comes, he's longing for this to be the one, right? Like he's longing for this to be the day. He would have woken up and he would have gone to the temple that day saying, maybe today, maybe today the Messiah walks in this door. Maybe today is the day that the Lord sends him. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Every baby brought to the temple, he's anticipating being the one. Anna is found praying in the temple regularly. She's worshiping with fasting and prayers night and day, undoubtedly praying for the redemption of Israel to be fulfilled. We as believers, as we come to know the character of God, we should be worshiping, and then it should quickly transition to a type of prayerful waiting. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting and trusting for his return. And number two, we hope with a restful peace. We hope with a restful peace. Back to Simeon's story in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I uh, am hoping to show... My kid's a movie tonight. We watch movies every Christmas Eve that we've never seen before, and it's always movies that I liked as a kid. Um, and I found out that most of the movies I liked as a, kid, I, as a kid I watched on TBS. And on TBS, they didn't have a lot of the cussing that are apparently in the originals, right? And so you can't get TBS versions anymore, and TBS isn't showing this movie tonight. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, how can I show this movie? And so I found a, a profanity filter that I've installed on our computer that we're going to try to watch this movie tonight because you get to sub out the words that you don't like and you get to put in the words that you want replacing it, right? So as I was going through and kind of setting it up, um, I, I changed out Jesus Christ 
to just goodness, right? So if somebody's like frustrated and, and saying his name in vain, what we will see on the screen is, is somebody just saying goodness, right? Well, the catch is, is that it also changes everything on every website as well. So if you're reading the ESV as I was this morning studying for tonight, everywhere you would find the name Jesus, it just says goodness. Well, I didn't realize that at first. And so I read this verse this morning and it said, um, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's goodness. And I was like, man, I've never read that verse that way before. That is, how have I missed that? And then I was like, I've got the filter on, right? Like it's not, it's not goodness. And yet it is, right? Like it's totally appropriate to read that as the Lord's goodness. Because we've seen in Exodus, what's one of the most important things that he wants us to know about him? Well, he says like, goodness is what you need to comprehend about me. And my goodness is coming to you in the form of Jesus. And so it had been promised to Simeon, you are going to live long enough to see the Messiah, to see the Lord's goodness in human form. Now imagine the array of emotions that Simeon must have felt when it finally hit him that the Messiah is here, right? There's the realization of God has kept his promise. There's also the realization that probably sets in, I'm probably going to die soon now right? So kind of a mixed bag of emotions. So excited that Jesus is here. Also a a realization, it's a baby, not a knight, right? He's not an adult yet, which means I'm advanced in years. I'm not going to see this baby grow up. God kept his promise. I've seen the the Messiah come, but I'm going to die before I see it all come to an end. I'm going I'm to die before I see the victory. I've, I've seen the, the revelation. I've seen, I've seen the revealing, right? The deliverance has come, and yet I'm not going to see the victory part of it. And yet all we see is the emotions of excitement and joy over what this means. He says, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Prayerful waiting, restful peace. He understands his life's coming to an end, but man, he's seen the promise. He's seen the fulfillment of the promise. Being a part of that plan was sufficient for him. He's He's not waiting for retirement. He's not waiting for some, some end to his life that, that really satisfies all of his wants and needs. He's waiting for the Messiah to come and he gets to see it. He finally gets to realize the promise that the Lord has made. And, and what I love about our study in Exodus and being able to tie it into this tonight is that it's all happening. It's all happening in the context, in the environment that we've looked at so extensively recently. The, the, the tabernacle now turned temple all of these shadows that point to Jesus, right? It's in that setting where Simeon meets the Messiah. And Mary and Joseph are still coming to realization of what this means too, right? It says in verse 33, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. They're they're, they're still amazed at what God is working and doing here. Notice what Anna's response is. Anna gets to be a part of this too. It says in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him 
to all who were waiting for the redemption of, his, of Jerusalem. We talked about there's a responsibility for us to worship. As we come to know the character of God, we worship him. As we, as we come to see the unfolding plans of God, we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus. We have a responsibility to tell others. Anna says, hey, the Messiah is here. Let me go tell others about it. Let me go tell them that the redemption of Israel, the consolation of Israel is here. We're to make others aware of the hope that has arrived and the hope that can be experienced. It's not, it's not a guarantee, right? Like, like, just because you're sitting here tonight in church doesn't mean that you're covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have the hope that's being described tonight by me. The hope is only applied to people like Moses who hear the character of God and then cry out to him and say, I want that for me, right? Like, give that to me. Let me experience that character that you're talking about. That invitation is available to all of us tonight, right? On this Christmas Eve night, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, you too can cry out to God tonight and say, let me have that character applied to me. I want your mercy. I want your grace I believe you. I want your awesome plans for me. Paul says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Paul's praying, may may God fill you with hope and joy and peace. May God help you believe in him tonight. And then may God take that hope that, that he's filled with you and let that abound in telling others. My hope is that you find that hope and peace and joy tonight if you've never found it before. For those that have, my hope and prayer is that you share it faithfully, particularly in this season when people are open to hearing during this Christmas season, that we make them aware of the thrill of hope that we have, we've embraced. That Jesus has come, the promised one of the Messiah, as the promised Messiah of the Old Testament has come. And we're longing for him to come back once again. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these truths. We thank you for these reminders. Lord, we thank you that you showed Moses your character so that we can better understand it tonight. Lord, we thank you that Simeon and Anna were able to personally hold your son, personally be able to see the promise fulfilled, the Messiah on earth. God, I pray that for all of us tonight, that we would experience the hope and joy and peace that come with that truth, that you look down and said, I'll make a covenant with you. You're sinful, you don't deserve it, and yet you decided to show mercy and grace to us. We praise you and thank you for that character. Lord, it gives us hope tonight that you're coming back for us again. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that's not ready for that, who doesn't have that hope, who doesn't share that same joy and peace, who's not prayerfully waiting, who isn't experiencing a restful peace, Lord, that you'd help them to cry out to you tonight. Help them to find that hope. Help them to see that as a sinner, they're in need of a savior. As a human being, they fell into the trap of the dragon and they can't fight themselves out of it. They need a knight to come. They need a knight to come who's willing to die in their place, who rose again three days later, who promises victory for all eternity. 
Lord, we praise you and thank you for the hope that you extend. Lord, help us to embrace that hope tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Christ through the Lord's Supper. Lord, we pray that you would be honored in our partaking of it tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.